Hello, I'm Tim Tedder with AffairHealing.com, and I want to thank you for joining us on another Recovery Room podcast. Among the many resources and services that we provide through our website has been a monthly call-in program in which anyone is invited to dial in and either listen or ask questions, and our three counselor coaches, myself, Sharon, and Jennifer, provide input that we hope will encourage them towards healing. In today's podcast, we invite you to listen in to one of those recent shows as you hear, I think, six different questions and our responses to them. By the way, if you would benefit from more personal input to your specific needs, all three of us offer video or phone coaching that you can schedule at a time of your convenience. For more information on that, go to affairhealing.com slash coaching. As you listen to this program, just be aware that due to the service that we use for our conference calls and the various qualities of phones that people are using, the audio quality may not be as clear as we usually try to make it. Some calls are clearer than others, but hopefully you'll be able to hear the content of all of them, and they will be encouraging and helpful to you. Thank you again for listening in. Welcome to The Recovery Room, a podcast presented by AffairHealing.com. Here are your hosts, Tim, Sharon, and Jennifer. I am going to go to the first caller. What is your question? I um, have been unfaithful to my husband, and he has since found out, and we're trying to work on things together. And my question mainly for people that know is, what are some things that I can do to make him feel safe and less reflection and sadness about what's, what's gone on? How long has it been since he found out about this? Three weeks. Okay. And, and what's his reaction so far to it? I mean, is he stating that he wants to, on the other side of this, still be with you, wants this relationship to continue to work, or is he uncertain? Some hours it seems like he's uncertain. Some days it seems like he wants to make it work. He found out a lot of the details of the relationship. And I think he thinks about it and reflects on it and certain things come to his mind and not sure if he's able to process it. I just wanted to try to get some advice on how I can mitigate his sadness or his ill feelings. Yeah, and and let let me give just some response. And Jen, I'm going to push it over to you um, to kind of Mm -hmm. give your perspective as well. This is, you know, as you're already experiencing, a difficult thing to manage in the best circumstances. If you are being 100% honest with him now and your commitment is 100% to try to bring healing and assurance and, and want to be part of getting your marriage back to a stable, safe, and connected place, even if you're doing the very best that you can, you're going to be facing some ups and downs and some difficulties because of the tremendous amount of hurt and betrayal that he's feeling. So I'm not saying that to be discouraging. I'm just saying it to be realistic. Don't let the measure of his response always be the indicator to you as to whether you're doing the right thing or not. But it is a fair question to ask. Let me mention a couple things off the top of my head. One is to be absolutely committed to being honest with him. In three weeks, I don't know if there are 
many new questions he's asking. I mean, I always encourage people to get some input because the kinds of questions that sometimes get asked are not necessarily going to be helpful in the long run. So if you're both committed to long-term healing, sometimes to look to an outside counselor or resource to guide how you have conversations is really a helpful thing. But he really needs to feel like he's in charge of that. And if he's going to ask questions that are going to be harmful and he's insisting on that, he needs to feel like you're not dictating that. Being very open with him and saying, listen, I'm going to be honest with you about everything moving forward. I know it's going to take you a while to trust that, but I want to give you an honest account of everything. I'm concerned about some of these things that maybe you're asking or might want to know, so I'd really appreciate if we get some outside input to help guide us, but you're in charge of this, and my response is just going to be honest with you. The second thing, and I often say this to clients, if I could tattoo a couple words on his forehead just so that every time you looked at him, you were reminded of this need, the need that he has. Because sometimes when you are encountering him, you're getting anger. You're getting accusation. You're getting pushback. And it may not feel like what he really needs is the two words I'm about to say, but I believe behind the anger and the pushback and the pain and all that stuff is a longing and a need for these two things. The words I would put on his forehead that you'd always be aware of, comfort and assurance. What he wants to believe is that he is safe with you. And what he wants to experience is that this pain that is going on, um, this feeling of betrayal and all the confusion, that there is a calming of that, that you are someone that can step into his life and bring some comfort and relief to that sort of thing. So those two things, stepping into that vulnerable space and making your best attempt to at least offer comfort and relief. And sometimes that's words, sometimes it's just being close, sometimes it's just having a sense of humility, it's touch. I don't know your husband, I don't know your relationship and dynamics enough, but to whatever he's able to receive, those constant messages that, you know, you're okay with me, and and whatever pain and confusion he's feeling, that you're making that effort to bring comfort to that. And it can be a confusing thing. Sometimes you're not even sure what that might look like, and the best thing you can do is just be honest about that, to say, I want to be more helpful in bringing relief to the pain I know you're feeling. I don't know, know what to say or do sometimes. Help me understand what you want or need from me. And that can be an honest conversation. And so that's the comfort part of it. The assurance part of it is affirming to him that you are choosing him, and you and I haven't talked enough to know really what's motivating you back to your marriage, but let me just assume that it's not just out of a sense of duty. It's not just out of a sense of fear, like you don't want to get divorced because where would that leave you? But that behind it all, you do love your husband and you do long for a good relationship with him. If those things are true, he needs to be assured of that. Because on the other side of an affair, the betrayed spouse is often left with the question, why wasn't I enough? Do you really want me? Do you really love me? And those are emotional questions that a lot of debate and arguing kind of flies out the window because on an emotional level, they just feel, they feel the loss and they feel sometimes the inadequacy and the shame and the failure or if they put it on themselves. So to whatever degree you can give assurance, like through all this mess, I'm sorry, you are who I love. You are who I want. This relationship is what I don't want to lose, and I'm committed to us. Comfort and assurance 
And it's not one thing you're going to say or do that solves those. You're going to have to come back to it again and again. You won't be perfect at it, but if you are consistent and he sees that, it is the context in which trust can be reestablished and connection has a place to grow again. Jen, what would you add to that? The only thing I would add to that, and it's kind of like more of a practical thing, is oftentimes, you know, if he's not bringing up any questions or the affair, you as the unfaithful spouse oftentimes don't want to bring it up either. But three weeks out, pretty safe to say he's thinking about it all the time. He's struggling Mm -hmm. with it constantly. And so for you to be the one to kind of take responsibility for checking in, not waiting for him to say, hey, I'm struggling, not waiting for him to have a trigger, But say, hey, is there anything you're struggling with today? Is there any questions that you want answered? So he's not always the one having to bring up those conversations and start those conversations. That's really helpful for you to give attention to the fact that you know that he's struggling. You're not going to wait for him to bring it up, but you're going to be proactive about, like Tim was saying, bringing that comfort and reassurance um, on a daily basis. That's helpful. He was privy to a lot of details through the other side of the the relationship that uh, the ex-wife of the affair. Yeah, that could be problematic, especially if it was, you know, a sexual relationship. Whatever details or information they learned about that can sometimes be really sticking points. He may need some help. That's sometimes a hard thing to talk to someone else about, but it might be really helpful to do that. Tough roads ahead, but just keep making those vulnerable steps towards him to bring comfort and assurance. That's what he longs for. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sharon, I see that you joined us. Definitely, if if anyone is privy to information, like details, like she was saying, that can just be uh, so traumatic, and those flashbacks and images just keep flying through your head. As you had suggested, he might need to talk to somebody. I think probably he does need to talk to somebody about it. Go to the next caller. Caller, what is your question? I've got a bit of a more of a philosophical hang-up that affects my movements in my relationship, and my wife was the one who was unfaithful. And since we've done a lot of the, the part of exploring history, and our pasts don't line up. We don't have the same experiences in the world, and so the way we've experienced this relationship is different. Um, I'm kind of hung up now on this idea that from now on, my love for her will be conditional. In order for me to love my wife, she has to be someone who is quite different from the person who is not able to connect because she doesn't feel worthy of connection. I guess my problem is it means that I have to reject those things that are actually more truly her at the moment. And even from her perspective, how that feels. I never loved her. I loved a fantasy version of her. I guess that's my struggle is in my head. How do I not hold my love hostage and make it conditional? I get what you're saying, I think. Honestly, in some way or another, this happens with a lot of couples when you're together a long time. There are typically parts of you, whether dysfunctional or not, that don't come out until you guys are together a long time. Plus, new things kind of get released as new growth is made in life. And so over years, you know, of maturing and stuff, uh, different things come out. And I think it happens fairly frequently where maybe old wounds that have been affecting your partner from the time they were young start to actually come out. And it is hard. It's hard because you're saying, in a way, I think I'm hearing you say, as long as she's working toward being a different person or, or eschewing these wounds that have made her kind of dysfunctional in a way, as long as she's working toward that, 
okay and I'll say I'll love her, but the, the way she is right now, that's the person that cheated on me. <laughs> like, what do I do here? I mean, does that kind of sound like what you're trying to describe that I yes. say? Yes, uh, yeah, okay. absolutely. That's, that, that is it. It's, yeah. Am well, I trying sure. to save the relationship with the person I had a relationship with, or am I just trying to find someone entirely new? Yeah, well, here's the thing. Uh, she is not going to be know. entirely new. No, listen, she's not going to be entirely new. A person is made up of so many thousands of nuanced intricacies in their personality and temperament. It's based on genetics. It's based on upbringing. It's based on experience. It's based on so many things. And a person is not black or white, all or nothing, like either she's this way or that way. That's not at all how it works. It's rather like different gradations and nuances of of traits and personality things. And we're always changing. There's never going to be a staid person in any of us, right? We're always growing and changing through our lifetime. Sure, most of the time it's very subtle and gradual, so we're not even really aware of it. Every once in a while you have one of those, like, quote, epiphanies. But, you know, if she is working on healing those wounds that led her down that path in the first place, she is going to be making progress. It isn't that you want her to become a totally different person, and also those traits that were kind of unhealthy that led her down that path, those don't make up the whole of her. Those were just pieces of her. And so you aren't wanting a totally different person. That would be ridiculous, right? You just want the wounded parts, those parts that were not okay and not healthy and not working in a correct way. You want those to be kind of dug up and healed and made into something that could be part of her story and that you guys could work toward, you know, better communication and better connectivity. But you don't want her to be a different person. And again, those dysfunctional things didn't make her who she is entirely. Those are just fragments and pieces of her. When an affair happens, it reveals something about the relationship it reveals something about the person that had the affair. And I think one of the main reasons that drive us, the three of us, to be involved in affair healing work is because we do recognize that that point in a person's life or in a relationship's development is an opportunity for maybe some significant things to be dealt with in a more open and honest way, maybe in ways they've never been dealt with before. There's an opportunity for that. Sharon called them her wounds. Sometimes we talk about areas of brokenness we have, whatever terminology you put on it. I've I've never been in an experience where someone's an affair was actually a revelation of things that were healthy about them. You know, I mean, (laughs) it, it reveals something of woundedness. So on the other side of that, both the person that had the affair and the partner who was wounded by it have to be willing to look at, hey, what happened here? What do we learn from this? And there needs to be an expectation that moving forward, what does change look like for us? Because if it's just accepting what we used to have and going back to the way things were, then you're missing an opportunity for the change that needs to happen for growth. I don't know enough about her or, or you to know that the things that you look at and you measure in her, whether you're seeing areas that legitimately need to change or whether it's just a preference, you know, that she's one style that you've never recognized until this affair comes out and it revealed some things you didn't know. I don't know enough to know that, but I do know it's an opportunity for both of you to look at here's what happened, here's what we're both learning from it, 
for both of you to be able to talk about what change looks like and then to see if you're in agreement about that. I mean, unfortunately, for some couples, what they learn on the other side of it, they begin to realize our perspective of moving forward in a healthy way is not the same. So the healthy choice in some instances is moving away from the relationship rather than just staying in it and trying to hold down that frustration and disappointment and somehow limp along forward. Maybe what you're seeing is a real need for your wife to face some of her wounds and to really address those. Maybe she's not willing to do that. Or maybe this affair just revealed some parts of her that she's always kind of closed off and need to be explored. And maybe they're not necessarily wounds or brokenness. They're just differences. And you will have to evaluate. I'm seeing that there's somebody different than I thought she was for 12 years. Is it still a person that I think I can commit to moving vulnerably in a relationship and to commit to reestablish connection and trust and we can be satisfied teammates together? Or are we so different? that other choices need to be considered. Yes, and I think it's more the former. I think Mm -hmm. for me it's having faith in that willingness of her to face those things and address them. Mm -hmm. I would never want to encourage you to be in a place where you are pushing or standing in a place of judgment or putting the expectations, constraints around her for change. There should be an invitation to that. If you long for something different, you can be honest about it, but she has to make her own choices. But I will say, for any couple moving through all of this, there needs to be a sense that each is willing and showing the ability to step towards one another in a a place of vulnerability. And if the isolation or working on this individually is just a choice to not be vulnerable, you know, just, I just don't, I'm going to talk about this stuff, I want to deal with stuff with you, I'm just going to handle it privately then I think that's problematic. And some people move to that more quickly. Some people move it more slowly with a lot more hesitation. But regardless of how quickly you move, there needs to be some movement in there or else your relationship isn't growing or changing. I, I don't know if that sounds too harsh to you. Okay. I guess All right. learning those skills of assessment, you know. And, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we wish you well. Thanks for your yeah, call. Okay. Hang in Thank there. you. Caller, what is your question? I am trying to delicately balance between um, my husband, my husband was unfaithful, um, and dealing with his healing and his shame and um, his own triggers of all of that and what um, the choices he made and my own healing. It feels like at any given point, one of us is hurting and sometimes both of us are hurting and it's like who has to support whom. How long has it been since you found out about the affair? Well, so I found out about the affair five months ago, but at the time he was very defensive and not really willing to do any work. Okay. And so then I actually found out about two weeks ago that the affair stopped for two months and then started back up. Um, So it's fresh again. When you found out two weeks ago, was the affair still going on two weeks ago and had to stop again? Yes. Okay. So that's really the latest D-Day. I, I wouldn't count the five months ago as being too Well, the, the only significance in it really is that I was ready to do the work. And so mm-hmm. some of it right now is like he's just finally facing his internal struggles. And I feel like I've been healing and I've been dealing with it. And I've been looking at myself and what I did right and wrong in our marriage and some of it feels like I'm waiting for him to catch up to where I am in the process of processing all of this. The trust is reset, that's for sure. But the second time around, I didn't go through the whole, I'm worthless. I already did that, and I did the work to realize I'm not worthless. So I have a little bit more of that, 
but now I'm kind of a little impatient of like, you know, hurry up. Yeah. yeah. Let me give a really quick response. I'm not going to spend a lot of time and then I'm going to hand it over to, to Jen and Sharon. I think you've really identified the fact that both of you need assurances and both of you need healing and both of you are dealing with struggles and pain. It's not just you. He's dealing with his own stuff. I don't know what all of that is, whether he's still struggling with how he feels about the affair partner, whether he's dealing with shame, whether he's just really confused about all this stuff, whether he's considering how he feels about you and the relationship. I don't know. Your question about how do we attend to each other's needs because, you know, we both need that stuff and it's kind of back and forth. My opinion is that for your relationship to heal, he needs to be at the place where he gives primary consideration to your healing. I believe that's what you need for the reestablishment of trust and ultimately intimacy in your relationship. He may not be. It sounds like he's not there. He's got too much stuff he's got to figure out. And if that's true, I really would not encourage a whole lot of effort on trying to fix your relationship or work on the mending and healing. I would just give a lot of space that might mean certain boundaries need to be in place or maybe it's a tremendous amount of grace from you if that's what you decide to do. But he needs to get to a place where he decides which direction he's going to move because he needs to be the primary one attentive to your healing and your assurance if he can't give that, we tend to see a lot of time spent in frustration because the relationship's not getting what it needs, and it's almost better to just create some distance and boundaries to give space for whatever he's going to decide to do before you come back and work on that. That's what I wanted to say. Jen, Sharon, you can disagree with it, add to it, or whatever you want to do. No, that's actually what I was thinking, too, is temporarily, if there needs to be attention given to your pain and what you've been through, it doesn't negate his own stuff it doesn't negate his own work but for full healing it needs to be a little bit one-sided and once some work and momentum has been built in that direction and he is single-minded in his pursuit of you then it can start to you know go in the other direction so it's never a permanent way where we're only going to think about the unfaithful spouse we're only going to give attention to your pain unless he's able to do that for you I don't know how satisfied you're going to be in the long run if he's never able to give attention to what you've been through and what he has put you through. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you guys both said. Um, when you found out the original time and you were just going through the real throes of all of it, was he attentive to your needs during that time? The first few weeks, I mean, he was very level-headed, answered all of my questions, went to counseling with me, everything like that. And we've consistently gone to counseling. He hasn't shied away from that. But then it started to slowly become, I think his own shame started to get to him. And when I wanted certain things like the location on his phone and things like that, he started to have a lot of unsettled feelings. I think he started to feel controlled, but then also I don't think he had settled his feelings for the other woman. They played on a softball team together, and he refused to quit the team. So I kind of saw this coming, more or less, because I knew playing on the team was just going to end in disaster. But there was that resistance of, like, I'm not going to do absolutely everything you need. I'm going to hold back certain things that I don't think are reasonable because of, like, how I'm viewing this situation. It's definitely been different this time around. Um, but before, you know, he wouldn't even read articles. He wouldn't listen to a podcast. So now he's approaching it differently. To me, it's actually hopeful that he's taking some time to think yeah. about his own feelings. That's new. Sure. 
Mm-hmm. I think he has to just have that kind of like a, almost like a location in his mind switch, like a paradigm shift in a way. Like he needs to view it from a different angle and realize that his own work includes paying more attention to your needs, if that makes right. sense. That That's make part sense. of it for him. That's part of his healing is going to be letting that shame watch over him of what he's done and how it affected you and how it hurt you so deeply. Not that he needs to wallow in the shame, but he needs to like face it like, hey, this shame's here for a reason. It's there to point you in the direction of, wow, I really screwed up. I need to make sure that doesn't happen again, you know. When he can do that, when he can, like, say, you know what, I need to, like, suck it up and be there for her. That is part of his growth. That's part of his coming to grips with, you know, what exactly in him led him down this path, this whole system failure of making all these decisions that were so off. We're not saying if he can't step up to the plate and take full responsibility for that and be the leader on the healing, then you should just, you know, walk out, put up some strict boundaries. <laughs> I don't think we're saying no, that. I mean, if you, no. if you were to choose to do it, you certainly have the right to choose that. But, I mean, it sounds like you're someone who's invested in the marriage. You want things to work out. I think we're just cautioning you. When we see the couples that work through this, one of the clear indicators is the person that had the affair comes to a place of clarity in their life where they may not have everything figured out, but they are taking responsibility for the stuff in them that they need to begin getting the insight to and work on, and they become focused on investing in the relationship and bringing comfort insurance you know, to you, they become the one who's really driving the healing and, and reestablishing trust. If it feels like right now it's just kind of this tug of war sometimes, sometimes it's in, sometimes it's you, our encouragement to you is don't let it become that. You don't have mm-hmm. to be rude. You don't have to be demanding. You don't have to be any of those things. You can be compassionate. You can be, even be graceful in providing mm-hmm. a space for a period of time for him to figure out, work on his stuff and do it. But let him do the work. And you yeah. can be encouraging to him and do all that stuff, but let him do the work. Give him space. Let him feel his feelings. And don't try to run in and rescue him and comfort him and make him feel better necessarily. Again, like Tim said, you can be there to support. Absolutely. You don't want to be cold and like closed off. But to just let him feel his feelings. It's so uncomfortable to see someone we care about when they are having all of this stuff come up. It's uncomfortable to see them like that. And you kind of want to like make them feel better or something. But I don't think that's you know, necessary. I feel like that's part of his experience. Yeah. But it's it's the difference between giving someone the assurance that on the other side of this, I'm still here. Mm -hmm. And the difference between that and stepping in and trying to take that pain away or take that, you know, relieve them from that. That's exactly what I was going to ask. I was like, there's a difference between saying we can get through this versus it wasn't that bad. That's exactly right. Yes. Let him, Mm -hmm. let him feel it. That's exactly what I mean by don't try to rescue him or make him feel better. Let him feel it. And you don't have to add to it. You don't have to take away from it. You just let him feel what he feels. And that's the way that permanent changes are made. You know, I think if we get rescued out of our pain and shame and grief too quickly, we don't make the changes permanently. You kind of do it on the surface because it's uncomfortable. Then as soon as you feel better, you're like, ooh, that was rough. Okay, move along. If we really, though, feel the feelings, let the pain come, let it happen, and go through it in a natural way, then I think the changes are permanent. Well, thank you you very much. Hopefully that's encouraging to you and helpful. Yes, it is. Thank you. Let me go to the next call. What is your question? My wife was the one that committed the affair, and I'm a little further along in the process. It's been almost two years now that um, I found out about the affair, and I'm continuing to struggle with us being intimate. She had some history with some abuse, and so she has some intimacy issues, and 
I'm still struggling with initiating with her intimately. I'm trying to work my issues, and she still has her issues. How do we connect there? Because it'll go well for a short period of time. Then we'll have periods where we're not connected. And you're specifically talking about physically or sexually connecting, correct? Yes, sir. Have you guys just been trying to figure this out on your own, or have you talked to anybody about it? We've been to couples counseling together. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think that those would be the kinds of things that if it hasn't, wasn't brought up in your couple's work, that that would definitely be an area to be addressed. I think the one thing you want to be careful of is that whatever things are kind of stuck in her or you don't get so stuck that they just become a pattern that gets harder and harder to break out of. I don't know how easy or difficult it is for you guys to talk about it, but one place to start might be for either one of you to say to the other, hey, this is just an area of our relationship. I would like to be better. I feel disconnected from you. For each person to maybe on their own write out a vision for what do you want our relationship to look like? What would that look like if this area of our relationship were healthy and whole and satisfying to you? then when you do that, talk about what things would need to be changed and specifically what things might I need to do differently maybe to help us get there. And when you've both thought about that, to come back together and just compare notes, to even see if you're on the same page. What if you decide you want something different? That's a little bit more problematic, I guess. But probably most of the time, you, it wouldn't be surprising that you want the same things. And you can start having a conversation about what does it mean for us to change in that area. When you said, like, the issues she has had with intimacy are from before, like from before, like maybe when she was young or like before you met her and whatnot. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And she then some, um, childhood sexual abuse. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I assume she's working on that stuff particularly with her counselor? Yes. Okay, good. Your particular issues, when you say it's because of the affair, so are you having, like, um, you get triggered, like, when you guys are trying to be intimate, you have, like, thoughts about she was with someone else or images in your head or anything? Is that what happens for you? Well, for me, it's more of doubting myself and doubting, you know, well, is she mm. with someone else? Uh, yeah, does she really want to be with me? Does she really want to be with me? And it always comes back to, well, it, she doesn't like to initiate, and it's because of her history. But mm -hmm. I can't help but to associate that with, well, is this because she's really desiring to be with someone else? She tells me no, but I still have that, those hang-ups. If you were to get your individual counseling, cognitive behavioral, where you learn to catch yourself thinking about those thoughts when you have those thoughts and you learn to control that and kind of reject those thoughts, not allowing those thoughts to sit there and become a truth for you when in reality they're just a thought. It's not real. We do that, right? Because we think something, we kind of think it's true. <laughs> and yes. it's like, well, no, it's, it's a thought. It's, a, it's not true just because I thought it. And some of the ways of doing that would be helpful for you, I think, if you were to address that in your own personal counseling. Like, you can start to recognize that this is going to be part of it is you realizing, you know what, I have to make a choice here. I have to choose to believe her or not. And I can't live kind of in this in-between where I kind of believe her but kind of don't. That is a, a thing you learn how to do. There's different techniques that you can kind of start to practice. I would suggest kind of researching cognitive behavioral therapy, like your thought processes, reframing your thought. Thought stopping. Term, thought stopping, yeah. And I think that might really help you in that area. But also, again, with a broken record, the trauma therapy I practice, EMDR, can be so helpful for helping that negative cognition, helping your brain realize that that's not true, that you're just thinking it. It isn't true, you know. 
Caller, thanks for the call. Hope that gives you some help. Caller, what is your question? I'm calling because I'm actually on the other side of not the previous caller, but the one before that where the husband was the wayward spouse. I'm on the other side of that. I'm the wayward spouse. I've been going to individual counseling. Mm-hmm. I've been reading a lot of books. I've been going on to a lot of forums. I've been reading a lot of blogs and working on also sexual abuse that I went through as a child, working on the why. But my husband mm-hmm. doesn't want to work on anything. He went to counseling the first month after the discovery. Then he decided to stop because he felt that it wasn't helping him in anything, in any way. Uh, but he didn't want to look for another counselor. He just completely stopped. I've tried to recommend the books that I've been reading on um, affair recovery and, you know, getting through the infidelity. He won't read them. I've tried to send him articles on stuff like that. He will not read them. And he's just really, really stuck. And he's stuck on a lot of anger. Mm-hmm. And um, How long has it been since he found out? It's been 10 months. Okay. Yeah, and so, that's so hard, yeah. Remember. Anger just points to the hurt underneath. Anger comes out because we don't want to actually feel how painful it feels, and so then we get angry. When he gives you this answer of I, you know, how angry he is and he doesn't want to do the counseling. He just tells me that he's going to deal with it, and he's been able to do it with other things in the past, and so that he's going to deal with it himself. He doesn't think it's fair that, um, that he should be paying for counseling for something that I did. Which I understand. I completely understand. Well, yeah, listen, we want to be very clear. We know that counseling helps. That's why we do it. But we don't always claim that that's the only way that people can heal. You have to go Mm -hmm. to counseling. Mm -hmm. It is possible if someone is really motivated to change and to heal, there are resources out there. They can learn and they can grow. But sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go pay someone to go to counselor is just an excuse to not really deal with the more difficult stuff to deal with. He's not reading any articles either, and those don't cost Mm -hmm. anything, right? So that probably is just an excuse, but he has to be in agony. Being angry like that all the time is very painful. And so it's almost this question of, do you want relief? Do you want to feel better? Do you want to actually feel like you're in control of something again? Because if you want to do the work for yourself to help yourself feel better, that does give you some sense of control. Because part of the anger is that feeling of loss of control, right, as a betrayed spouse you feel like your wayward spouse took all the control away by having an affair. And so I think if he kind of understood, hey, if I actually do some things, read some things, perhaps do a little work on my own in order to kind of make sense of my own process of what I'm going through right now and all this grief and anger, that actually is taking some control back. And that alone gives you a sense of relief. Now, to be honest, we sometimes see people who are hurt by an affair, and in their pain and injury, they settle into that, and they really don't do the work of healing. Maybe they push it down, try to ignore it. Maybe they just bring it up a lot because it feels good just to get vengeance and be angry. It is going to continue to get in his way and in your relationship's way if it's never dealt with. That's obvious. You care about your husband. You care about your marriage. You regret the damage that's been done to it. 
So for however much time you want to continue to hold out hope and to offer your willingness to bring in healing and establish an area of comfort and grace to him so that he can deal with his anger and move forward, you can make that choice as long as you're working on you being healthy. But I'd also say, we would all say that even though you're the one that caused this damage, you haven't lost your right to hope for an intimate, healed relationship either. And if it ever comes to a point where it becomes obvious to you, he's not willing to join you in participation with that. You come to a choice of sacrifice or separation. You know, you either sacrifice that thing that you long for in order just to stay with him um, and make it the best that you can, which probably means a lot of anger coming up and when anything goes bad you get accusation again and some people are willing to live with that or you establish your own boundaries that's down the road but that can be a healthy choice too when it first came out he went to his mom and he let her know what was going on his mom has been very kind to me even after all of this and she's giving me a lot of advice and one of the advice she has given me is that you can only take you know the anger and the revenge or the vengeance for so long. She has told me, you know, if he does not want to move on, move forward or forgive, you have to make that choice because yeah, he is yeah. hurting you too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, That's very good advice. Whatever happens, you keep doing your work because that's going to help you be able to be in a healthy enough place to see clearly to be able to set healthy boundaries and then really have the strength to stand by them no matter what he does. You're only responsible for you and he's only responsible for him. You've got to do your own work regardless of whether he wants to do his or not and either way, whatever the outcome is, you getting well and getting more healthy is only going to help you through whatever comes. Thank you for Thank sharing you. your story. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for, for being there once a month for us. <laughs> oh, okay. You're Thank you. Take care of yourself. Okay. okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Caller, what is your question? Well, I just found out that my wife had an emotional affair about two months ago. Mm-hmm. And as a man, how emasculating that is. And now we're having financial problems. And she'd kind of already said that she was going to come back, serve me papers, and, you know, get divorced. But then now, after the revelation, it's kind of opened up a lot of dialogue and speaking. But then it's shut down quickly. It was just kind of like, hey, it was nothing. It's no big deal. I'm afraid to say anything about it, or I'm still, like, hypervigilant. And when mm-hmm. she's texting, like, who are you texting? And, mm-hmm. you know, wondering, is she just going through the motions right now? Let me ask you something right off the bat. Like, why do you say you feel you don't have a right to bring it up? I know I was part of the problem. I mean, I, obviously, I know our marriage has been not the best in the past two years. Mm-hmm. Just I've been in a bad family business and that just kind of was like mentally messing with me so I was probably taking it out on her which caused mm-hmm. her to look for affection somewhere else yeah um, but that but that could be part of you bringing it up that particular topic is that you know you were partially at fault I've admitted that saying like I realize how horrible yeah. I've been it seems like it's kind of like a push like okay cool you acknowledge that like hey mine was just kind of like a little side thing but I mean I found yeah. texts that they were you know like planning on meeting up but he's way out of town and she said we just did it all the time it was just kind of a on escape. She kind of equated it to porn, which I was like, okay, I can see that. But I mean, I still, mm-hmm. it seems like it's just kind of done. We, mm-hmm. we saw a counselor, but it was good. And, and just since I've just, since the discovery, it's been, she was traveling and then she was traveling for a longer period of time. So like, we really haven't had a concentrated time to talk about it or just, you know, we did, we mm-hmm. do occasionally every once in a while. 
Can you help me understand Sorry. the financial risk of bringing it up again? I mean, wh- why is that a financial risk? I mean, what do you... What's, oh, what's I'm saying just where we are right now. Like, we're, like, I actually left my family business like five months ago, and now I'm looking for another job. So it's okay, like so she, is, is she really the one that's earning the income and so forth? No, 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 no. That, I, like, I was the one that was doing that, and that's where it's kind of like now that I'm not having a job at the moment, uh, it seems like, I, you know, which is emasculating as well. So it's okay. like I feel yeah. bad bringing it up or, you know, because it's kind of like, well, hey, get us out of this problem. You got us into mm-hmm. this pro- that financial problem. So then it's like mm-hmm. I don't feel like I can talk about, you know, healing from the broken trust. I mean, because then she'd throw back at me like, you know, you broke my trust with this and weren't taking care of me and those kind of things. It's, it seems like it's yeah. a tit for tat, but it's just like I don't know how to bring it up. Yeah. You have to talk about some of these things. You have to. I mean, you can't not. With so much stuff weighing on you right now, you're going to implode. You can't afford not to talk about it. If you just had that cooperative mindset, you could do that. But it sounds like you quickly get into this struggle of, you know, almost blaming. Well, yeah, you're pointing out my fault of mine, but look at your fault too, and it just becomes this comparison thing. At least right. That's what and it you seems hear. like at times it, it seems like it's kind of like. We're both walking around with a grenade with a pin pulled, mm-hmm. and you're not sure if you're going to bump into her and set hers off or she's going to bump mm-hmm. into mine yep. and set mine off. And, and maybe that's exactly what's been happening. And you know what will change that? It's when one person decides that's not the game I'm going to play. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, and you'll fail at it sometimes. You'll pull your pin. You'll have to come right back and say, hey, I did that again, and I'm sorry. I want to learn to do this differently. But when one person stops playing that game, when one person is willing to say, listen, I'm going to be honest about accepting my part in this, and I'm willing to be part of the changes I think we really need in this relationship because I don't know about you, but I don't feel really great about what's going on here, and I'm willing to work on my stuff, and here's what I'm aware of, and I know I've disappointed you in the past, but I need to be honest with you about what I'm experiencing too. I'm just wondering if you want to be part of it too. Can we talk about what that looks like for us, what each of us is willing to do? Because it really takes ultimately two people who are both willing to say, you know what, I'm going to stop pointing my finger and demanding that you change, except my own responsibility for what I need to do to make us better. And it takes two people willing to do that. That's mm-hmm. when things begin to shift. Well, and it's, it's that it's, kind of like the, the previous caller had said, too. That's like even after my discoveries, like I actually found your podcast and, you know, I listened to it at two times speed and got through it all in like two <laughs> days just to listen to it to, get, to absorb all the Good information. <laughs> and then, but then I had to kind of spoon feed it to her. It seems like that one caller said, you know, like I try to get my articles and things to read or listen to or seems like I have to keep being the proactive one instead of her going like, geez, I probably should try to figure out these things well, myself. But, just like we said to the last caller, we'd probably say to you too, maybe you're working too hard at it. I mean, I would never discourage you from taking that step of being self-reflective, admitting your part in it, being kind of vulnerable and saying, hey, I want us to be better, and I know I'm part of that story, I'm part of that healing, inviting her into that process. But if, despite doing that, don't experience her stepping in and joining you and frankly, from our perspective, being the one that caused the betrayal, taking on a great responsibility to bring assurance and trust in the relationship. If she doesn't eventually step up and show a willingness to do that and demonstrate it by taking those risks and being vulnerable, I think you're going to stay in a frustrated place. If you're the only one stepping up and doing that, at some point you have to ask the question, is this the kind of relationship I'm willing to stay in or do I want something different? 
it seems like her saying an emotional affair, and she seems to kind of like slough that off like it was just nothing. It was just like flirty texts and just some other things. Well, like I, nothing, I don't know. She doesn't seem to understand the ramifications of that. Like you were kind of like emotionally connected. She was like, mm-hmm. it was just a fantasy guy, nothing. I know. I don't think that makes it like better or worse. It's still mm-hmm. a betrayal. It's important to understand that stuff for her sake to gain insight into what's going on so she understands what change looks like for her. All I can, right. And I don't know her story. If she's sending out flirty texts, maybe she's not being honest about the emotion attachment she had or maybe she is because we've definitely been part of uh, affairs where there's a lot of things written and said but they were just being written and said to play the game to kind of keep the Mm -hmm. thing going because they really were getting something else out of it it really was an emotional connection I don't know the truth of her story right that's what I was saying I think she said that too like you kind of find what you're looking for you know but so if you start reading text out of context or I don't you know that's kind of where she is with that like yeah it was just things and I've read you know text between her and her other friends that were hey, this guy's cute or that, and things like that where it's just like, okay, that's just girl talk. I don't know if it's just dismissive or maybe I'm reading into it too far. Or... Could be either one of those things. I don't, yeah. you know, your assurance is not going to come so much from what she says, but by her consistent willingness to step into that space to bring you comfort and relief, to be honest with you, and not just give you the answers that she thinks you want to hear, but to continue speaking the truth to you in the best way that she can, in a way that you experience that she is trying to help. If she's just kind of standing up and saying, hey, you just figure out your stuff, don't expect anything from me, I'm just going to work on it by myself, well, that's great if she's just growing individually, but it's terrible if you're hoping that a relationship heals and changes. Yeah, just take care of you. Every time you get frustrated or hurt by her lack of effort, you can invite her to come along on the journey and figure her stuff out. That's all you can do is just invite her along, kind of let her know that you're there for her and be supportive if she does have a realization about something and comes to you and shares it and be like, yay, you know, I'm so glad. And that's all you can do. Don't get so discouraged there, and give is up. Is there too much diving into all your podcasts, trying to absorb as much information? Is that like too much? Is that causing me yeah. to... Oh, we would never it? say our stuff is too much. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, all, yeah, they, absorbing it all. Well, like, you know, I'm trying yes. to just, you know, shove yes. it down my throat yes. so I can understand yes. it. But is that like too much? Is that making me obsessed about it? Maybe. Well, like, ruminate maybe. About the thoughts? Maybe. It really depends. You, you, uh, uh, the fact that you're asking the question gives me hope that maybe it's not a bad yeah. thing. But I have had clients where I've just said, hey, you need to stop reading the affair books and Stop going to our website or any other website right now. Start focusing on things that are more present and future looking. I don't know that I'd say that to you yet because I don't think you guys have turned that corner necessarily. So if it feels obsessive to you, then just back off a little bit and try to be a little bit more intentional. Learn what you can. Invite her to the process. If she's not willing to do it, you can't make her do those things. It does sound like we would want for you a greater indication from her of a willingness to really engage and step with you into a more vulnerable place where you're having honest conversations and you're letting each other gain some insight into what's going on with each of you so that you can trust the changes that each of you is working on or else you're just kind of left in the dark and hoping something changes but not sure that it's going to. All right. All right. Great. Thank you guys for your help. All right. right. Thank you for the call. Well, that's it. We had some good calls today. That was Mm -hmm. some good stuff. So thank all of you that are listening in, and we will catch you uh, next month. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody. The Recovery Room Podcast is a resource provided by AffairHealing.com. For more information about the podcast and resources for affair recovery, including archives of past programs and the schedule for upcoming ones, please go to affairhealing.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Tim Tedder. See you next time.